Welcome to the audio conference for pastors, a leadership podcast designed to help develop leaders to their God-given capacity. Our host is Bobby Gilstrap, lead missionary and executive director for the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Now, let's join Bobby and his guest for today's audio conference for pastors. We are glad to have joining us today, Pastor Daniel Pan pastor of Hillsdale Baptist Church in Hillsdale, Michigan. Pastor Dan, we are sure glad to have you joining us today on the audio conference for pastors. Thank you for inviting me and glad to be with you. Well, we're excited about uh, some of the insights you're going to be able to give us. Uh, why don't I introduce, introduce our listeners first off uh, to Pastor Dan and uh, uh, help you know a little bit about who he is. And I want him to help us understand some of the things they're doing uh, to reach out in their community through community service. Uh, Pastor Pan has been pastor there at Hillsdale Baptist Church in Hillsdale, Michigan for 21 years. Uh, before that, he pastored in the Upper Peninsula in Curtis, Michigan, a uh, church where his dad had pastored, and uh, he ended up going there and pastoring uh, as his first ministry experience in the Upper Peninsula, and so that was a good experience for him. Then went to Arizona for a short time and came back and has now been pastoring there in Hillsdale for 21 years. He's a graduate uh, of Liberty University with both his bachelor's and his master's degree and has a doctor of ministry degree from Andersonville Theological Seminary. Has written a couple of books, uh, one called A Pregnant Woman Beat Me. Uh, uh, we won't uh, try to read anything into that other than it was a race and uh, he got beat. And the second was uh, Fished All Night for Nothing, uh, both books that are available, and uh, uh, he has written those and would be great to be able to get a look at uh, as well. He's been married to Cindy for 39 years. They have three children and ten grandchildren uh, and have obviously resided there in Hillsdale, Michigan. So, Pastor Dan, we are glad to have you and have you joining us. Uh, I know this is going to be an encouragement for many of our listeners uh, today as we dialogue about a uh, days of service and community service. Let me ask you to do something for us as we begin. Um, why don't you kind of give us in a nutshell a little bit of, uh, of your uh, vision for reaching your community uh, there in Hillsdale and that surrounding region through uh, community service and how your church has impacted uh, the community by reaching out through doing a lot of just very practical things to show the love of Jesus. When we came to Michigan 21 years ago, uh, the church we're in about 19 people, and we run about 300 now. Uh, it was our desire to have the name of Jesus known when people hit the county. And uh, we feel like we've been able to achieve in part that by doing outreach into the community and to let the people know that it's just not an inward thing. The doors just don't swing inward in the church, but they swing outward. And just happy to uh, be able to be sensitive and listen to the Holy Spirit when he provides opportunities. And uh, there have been several, and we'll probably get into those a little bit later. Why do you have that real sense that uh, the community-type ministry uh, is is essential? You, you use the phrase, you don't want to hit the county without having some contact there. Uh, why, why is that so important? What, what do you see as the, the impact of that? Well... First of all, I think we'd all agree that people are lost and people need the Lord. There are ways that we minister that we know that people will never darken the doors of the church, and yet it's their lostness and their acceptance of Jesus Christ which is going to get them to heaven. And while we 
offer a variety of ministry opportunities here. We also know that some people just will not come to church, and so we try to take the gospel to them as Jesus commanded and uh, not just use the church inwardly as a means of reaching them, but also outwardly. Let me ask you this. In understanding that, obviously what you have done is you have incorporated uh, many of these kinds of activities, uh, and some of them we want to talk about specifically here in a minute, but uh, the various community service type activities uh, into your overall kind of evangelistic strategy to, to impact your community and to see the church grow, obviously, as it had over the, has over these years. Uh, what, what other benefits have you seen for your church? Uh, in doing these kinds of days of service? Uh, what, what are the things that you have just, I mean, you can uh, almost measurably look at and see this has made a difference? Well, one of the things that we, we use is kind of a byword or by phrase is we want to show the love of Christ. The Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we are having not only name recognition, facial recognition, but also uh, people... We're desiring for them to see Christ more than they see us. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And so that's our desire is to lift up Christ. And so the benefits are is that people, are, one of the benefits are is that people are seeing that, well, they don't necessarily have to uh, get really, um, how can I say, committed, even though we, we believe in Christian commitment, uh, to uh, have their needs met. We also let them know that their needs are through Christ. The only one that can change us is the Holy Spirit, and so we seek to present him to them in a variety of ways in order to uh, perhaps meet their needs. In, in meeting those needs, uh, obviously uh, you're not looking for just a, I guess you'd call a cookie-cutter, in-the-box kind of uh, an approach that uh, somebody somewhere somewhere else uh, has done effectively. You're looking for the needs in your community. Uh, and not that you're not going to use resources and ideas from other places, but uh, you're trying to put those into your context to connect with the needs of people in your community. Why don't, why don't we take just a minute and talk about some of those uh, ministries that you have found are connecting with needs in community in your community and and why why you've begun to do those uh, whether it be a uh, single day of service uh, kind of thing that you have uh, uh, you know motivated the church to be involved in and the people have been involved in uh, and maybe even some of those things have uh, evolved into or turned into longer term uh, kind of seasons of service that have been ongoing ministries either for a period of weeks or maybe even long term but share with us some specifics of some of the things that your church is doing involving itself in the community well one of the things that we've done is we've started off our opportunities of service by praying and asking God to open doors and reveal to us things. And then when God opens those doors, we really don't have the right to say to him, no, I'm going to do this, and or, yes, I'll do this, and no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, many years ago, we uh, went through Henry Black of his experience in God, and we do that uh, every year at our church as part of our, our, our uh, discipleship training. And we offer that not to our church family, but the community. We'll average about 30 people with that. And so uh, one of the things that Blackaby taught us was that you find out where God's at work and you join him. And so 
God has uh, 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 many things that he does that we can't even begin to comprehend. And some of those things, for example, have been we've had people call and want to know if we could help them uh, move an appliance or some furniture. Well, that doesn't sound like a real real praiseworthy thing and, and not a lot of notoriety, but uh, you know, the Bible says those things which you do in secret, your Heavenly Father will reward you openly. And so... We, we seek to, to do those things. And yes, we've, we've moved furniture. We've had people call and say that uh, they didn't have any household belongings. And so we've appealed to our church people and they've given it to them. And, and I've shared with them that, look, you may never get that back. Those people may turn around and sell it. Uh, but if God lays it on your heart to do that, then you need to be willing to do that. We've taken groceries to people. Um, we've taken and cut their grass. We've raked their leaves. We picked apples and brought them to our food pantry and, and gave them out to uh, the people there who come in. And, and again, those are those are little temporary things that we do uh, on a on a on a daily basis. You might see a service day service basis, and then we have those ongoing things as well. Now, what kind of a, are there some special kind of activities that from time to time you do to try to impact the community that put you out? In the community, necessarily, it's not a, uh, a kind of ministry. It's just, uh, hey, here we are, you come see us, but uh, where your people are being motivated to go out, uh, even beyond like the food pantry and some of those kinds of things. One of the things that we, we do on an annual basis is that we have a 5K run, and that is a 3.1 miles. Uh, it's a run-walk. We, we don't charge anything for that. We have our volunteers from our church do that. The community is invited. We've invited some schools to that, uh, and so forth. And that's just a way of, of getting our name out in the community. It's a family activity. Uh, we'll have a little um, a little brunch, you might say, afterwards for those who participate. And we give them just a two- or three-minute uh, evangelistic thing. Um, we also uh, have taken... Uh, projects during the, the, the fall, uh, winter months, like uh, shoveled off people's uh, sidewalks or their driveways and cleaned them out. Uh, we, we do things, we might say, on a seasonal basis. One of the things that we do is we have uh, our church family rents the uh, local roller rink, the roller skating rink for one night just for us, and we invite the community to come, and they don't have to pay for anything. And uh, we use that as evangelistic outreach. Another time we'll take and rent the entire bowling alley. Uh, this last year we took and rented uh, uh, rented the uh, movie theater and showed uh, had an evangelistic film there. So there are some seasonal things that we do. There are some things that might just happen on the moment. We had our Fourth of July parade here just recently, and we took and entered in about 75 people. And we carried a flag from every state in the United States, yes, even Ohio. And um, we, uh, we we did that, and we promoted uh, the church. We actually promoted Jesus Christ, Vacation Bible School, and things like that. Well, those are, are great opportunities to connect. Uh, um, talk to me a little bit about uh, your leadership and, and some of those kinds of things. How, how important do you think pastoral leadership is in uh, leading the church to be involved in those kinds of uh, uh, single days of outreach and community service and, and those kinds of things? Well, I think it's vital. I think if the pastor doesn't have the vision, 
the people typically don't have one either. And and I'm not saying that his is, is greater, but he is, the I believe, the, the leader of the church, under shepherd. Christ is the head of the church. Uh, and yet I also believe that you don't drag people along with you. You bring them with you. And when people feel that they have part ownership in things, they are more quick to respond than if you just come up to them and say, do this. Um, sometimes we, we joke with people and they say, well, I'm reluctant to do such and such. And we say, well, would you do it for the Lord? Well, m- most people would say yes, but typically is the heart really in it. And so one of the things we want to do is promote awareness and give people time to mull over it. Um, but also by the same token, if God tells you to do it, then you need to do it. Uh, how, how vital do you think it is, or, or maybe, maybe that isn't the question, uh, who are the other people uh, that you really feel need to be involved when you're doing those kinds of things uh, beyond your, yourself? If the pastoral uh, or the pastor's leadership is, is critical he, and he's bringing people along, who else do you think needs to be involved in at that point? Well, I believe your leadership needs to be, if you have something that's gone through your son's school, then your son's school director, uh, your son's school teachers, if you're Obviously, I believe we start with, in our case, we start with our, our deacons and our church leadership or church council, if you call it that. And if they're not, if they're not in favor of it, chances are it's probably not going to go too far. And so, you have to cultivate these people. Have to realize their different personalities. Realize that some will be just ready to go right away, and some people have got to think about it, and so forth. And so, you have to involve your leadership in this. Otherwise, uh, it's just you up there, and you're going to be more or less described as a dictator, and I don't think that's scriptural. Well, it, and it sounds like to, to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth for sure, but uh, th- there's a, a time and a place probably for, for both models to some extent. When you're starting something new, sometimes you, you create uh, a kind of a new structure or a new path uh, for people to be involved in. But uh, what I hear you saying is that these ministries that you've been involved in, basically you're utilizing the existing uh, organization, the existing structures that you have in the church, uh, not only the leadership that's there, uh, but the, the kind of systems that you already have in place to be able to help make that effective through you know, your Sunday school and leadership and that kind of thing. Am I, am I reading that right then? That's correct. I believe that what God desires for us to do, he provides. And the Bible says that he has placed within the church you know, different individuals to perform such tasks. And we are blessed that our church, our size, we have uh, the ability to do a lot of different things. I believe very, very strongly in um, letting the lay people become involved in exercising their gifts. And the Bible teaches us that God placed individuals within the church to utilize their gifts for the edification of the church. So um, I don't believe that God gives us the task, except that he also equips us and provides us with the tools to accomplish that task. And, and so God doesn't say, well, here, do this, good luck, best to you, and if it works fine, if it doesn't, too bad. But if he, he gives us a responsibility, then he's going to equip us to do that. And, yes, there will be there'll be unusual opportunities that we have and, and uh we just have to be ready to uh, say, all right, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. I've never done this before, but if you're in it, then lead me on. 
Let's put this on a practical level for a minute, and let me ask you to share from your uh, vast experience of doing this uh, some, some, maybe just some practical steps of how you've involved your people in uh, being involved in in these days of service and ultimately seasons of service, reaching out into your community. What are some just practical things that you've done to try to uh, take steps to involve them? Well, number one, again, we we really put a great emphasis on prayer. Lord, what do you want us to do? It's not, Lord, what what can I do? But, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's it's not for anything that I have to gain for myself. Uh, speaking personally, I just can be a fly in the wall. But the thing is, 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 Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for the kingdom? And And so when God provides those things, then we need to be willing to pursue them until he does close the door. I'll give you an example. Uh, we have an egg ministry, and uh, it sounds really bizarre. And when we take our long-term our mission trips in the month of June for a week or so, we tell these places that we're going to that we're going to bring them clothes, and we're going to bring them different things. We're also going to bring them eggs, and, and they, they get very, very quiet. Eggs, yes. Well, what kind of eggs? Just eggs. Well, where do these eggs come from? Well, these are eggs that we're... we're supplied to us by a, a vendor who sells them to the grocery stores and uh, it just came up one day as we were praying lord how can we minister to people in in other ways and we were offered this opportunity well last year we hand washed over a quarter million eggs and uh, we gave out enough eggs that, that if we'd have buy them at uh, today's store prices they would have been well over a uh, hundred and ninety thousand dollars and as a result, we have some volunteers in the church that come up and wash eggs, and we give them out to the community. We give them out to pastors. We give them out to senior citizens. We give them out at our food pantry. And so that's an unusual thing, but it has taken such hold. Who would have thought that God would use eggs? And yet the Bible says if a man comes to you for a request for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Well, we don't give scorpions. We give eggs. That's great. Yeah, that, and that's a very unique kind of a ministry uh, in doing that without a question. Now, how, how are you in involving more and more of your people in, in doing those kinds of things? Well, the Bible teaches us when it talks about gifts that not everybody is the hand, not everybody right. is the ear. And so we we seek to help people discover not only their gifts, but, but then utilize those gifts in the proper area. We also understand there are people who have a desire to do something, but perhaps God hasn't necessarily called them or equipped them to do that particular area. Some of it, you know, you, you bump your nose along the way, but still we seek to, to if you pardon the the baseball analogy, we seek to play to people's strengths. And mm-hmm. if someone has uh, the ability to, uh, for example, do vacation Bible school, well, we take our mission trip. We don't have them build a house. Uh, we, we let them play to their strengths. If someone has construction ability, then uh, if, if that's what they're feeling led to do, then granted, we don't have them do vacation Bible school. And so that's one of the things that we really try to get people to see is that we don't try to put that square peg in a round hole. And that that gives more people confidence to say, all right, 
I can do this, but what it also does is opens up the door for for further expansion of their gifts and their ministry. And we don't know, only the Holy Spirit does, that maybe the next year they'll go from construction to vacation Bible school or vice versa or the combination of both. So basically, I mean, I've identified three things that you said basically. Uh, first, you start with prayer. Uh, as a critical step to involving your people and, and trying to discern not only the kinds of ministries you're going to be involved in, but how to involve them. Secondly, identifying their gifts, uh, what they're gifted in and uh, their abilities, uh, and then placing them in, in service, uh, utilizing those gifts uh, that God has already given them, uh, as you said, playing to their strengths, as uh, which I think is a great way of putting it. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, are, are you using any particular type of a tool or is there some uh, method that you're using in trying to help uh, help identify the gifts of your people, help them self-identify or leadership identify among the people or uh, anything of that sort to, to get a good grasp of what their spiritual gifts are and what their uh, abilities are at that point? Yes. What we've, we've done over the past several years is we'll take about oh, four or five weeks on a Sunday night, and I'll hit a little bit on Sunday morning, but primarily on Sunday night, and we'll do we'll talk about spiritual gifts. And I'm not speaking about um, you know laying out of hands or speaking in tongues. Uh, I'm speaking about, for example, the gifts of administration, the gifts of teaching, and the gift of helps, hospitality, and so forth. And then uh, we'll identify those, and then we will uh, have a spiritual gifts inventory. And I will tell our people that this is not you know, fail-proof. This is the guy that helps you discover some things. And they'll take this test, and uh, it's not pass or fail, that kind of thing. We don't grade it or publicly display it. It's just something they take themselves, and then we ask them voluntarily to share uh, some of the things that, that they have gleaned from this test or this, uh, this study. And, uh, for example, one of our fellows said, uh, you know, he, he thought he was a pretty nice guy, but he found out he wasn't very hospitable. Well, then after a year or two, we took the test again, and, and he said, you know, I, I did better. Well, who is it that develops our gifts? It's the Holy Spirit, and he develops them through us. But those are some things that, that we do. And then once we, we have this identity, then people say, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't know I had that. Well, Surprise, surprise! That gives them, that gives them the confidence because how many Christians really don't even know? All right, they're saved. What do I do next? They don't even know what God's called them to do or equipped them to do, and yet God saved us for a reason. He saved us to serve Him, to worship Him, and uh, you know that's one reason why people are in churches. It's not just to take up space, but to serve the Lord. Absolutely. Well, now, have you seen some new leaders that have surfaced from uh, these various activities? Is uh, not not just the identification of, of gifts, but is they've been involved in these days of service and in the community service ministries that have gone on in the last couple of years in your church? Uh, have you seen some new leaders surface? Yes, it, it, I'll give you an example. We uh, we have uh, what we call a wild game dinner, and uh, that's an annual thing, and, and we just such as it is. It's a wild game. we got people who, um, they like the taste of venison, they like the taste of elk, uh, fish, different things like that. And so we open this up to the community 
And I've had people in the church, for example, who have come and helped me lead this where I haven't had to do anything where before they weren't doing anything. And so now they've stepped up and they have helped cook, they've helped put the program together and, and so forth. And so we have leaders that have been developed from this. Some of them have gone on to become Sunday school teachers. Uh, we have some young people that have gone into the ministry. We have some who are contemplating the mission field. Uh, we have one who just recently married a, a fellow who's gone into the full-time pastorate, and so she's going to be a pastor's wife. Uh, we are training not only the older ones, but we're training the younger ones because as you and I get a little bit longer in the tooth, we're going to need somebody to, uh, to if the Lord tarries, to, to take over lead our churches. And so this is a, an excellent, excellent training ground as far as I'm concerned, to prepare these ones for service to the Lord later on. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're seeing seeing that come to fruition, apparently, uh, as you've seen that happen over the years, and you've seen these ministries continue to uh, develop and uh, these leaders uh, rise up, yes, which is a great great thing. Yeah, super. Well, I would assume that even from... Excuse me. Even from uh, the community ministries and the types of things that are are outwardly focused, and too often times we, uh, as churches, we get too focused on uh, us four and no more. You know what's inside the four walls of our church. Uh, but we're talking today, you know, about these things that really are putting our people outside and uh, mobilizing our people to be outside the walls of the church. But I, I would assume that because of how God raises leaders and uh, engages people in their community through your your ministry, that that also has impacted uh, the leadership within the church as far as some of the things that do happen uh, in, in your own congregation uh, with things that are ministry-related directly to the congregation as well. Uh, would I be accurate in that? Yes, and... I believe that the people need to have confidence in their leadership, not their pastor, but their deacons and others who are in leadership positions. And and the more that that people can be involved, they'll see that it's not just someone up there, you know, throwing a dart at the at the board and saying, "Well, this is what we're going to do this this time." Uh, but not only that, but it, it's also uh, an occasion where. Uh, the Lord gets the glory and the Lord gets the credit. And that's what he said. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. And so I, I tell our people that it's not about a program. It's not about a budget. It's about Jesus Christ. And we want to lift up his name. And so oh, just a word of caution to, to let everybody know that whenever you decide, if you determine to do something for Christ, the devil's busy. And just because we're doing these things doesn't mean that we've not had our our opposition, that we've not had uh, struggles. I, I, for one, I can say that I had the police called on me 11 times last year because uh, my neighbor complained, said I was having an illegal burn in my backyard. And, and every time they showed up, there was nothing I was doing wrong. And so uh, it, it, they called me once this year, but for the most part, that has ceased and desist. I believe the devil was just going to use that to see if uh, you can sully my name in the community or the name of Christ, and you know they can trample on me all they want. Uh, but uh, uh, you know we want people to know that that Christ loves them, and that uh, we're here for the long haul. 
I, I don't want to run out of time without uh, a couple of opportunities for affirmation here for you to be able to encourage our listeners um, in, in this area of ministry. <clears throat> I think it's uh, just vital. I so appreciate the kind of ministry that uh, Hillsdale has had and uh, your leadership there. In, in reaching out to the community, keep trying to keep the church outwardly focused, because I, I know that you are fully aware, uh, having been uh, there at the church as long as you have, that it's really easy for a church to get very inwardly turned and uh, uh, be very focused on us and what we're doing and the things that make us happy rather than uh, to be outwardly focused. And that's regardless of the community, regardless of the size of the church, um, regardless of, of any contextual issues for the most part. It's kind of human nature that as we gather as a group that we tend to be uh, much more focused on ourselves. So let, let me ask you to to just share with us some counsel. Uh, what, what do you suggest to other pastors um, about how to move their churches out into community, out into ministry in reaching outside the walls of the church, uh, what, what are some things that you could tell us to help move our churches toward serving their community more like Hillsdale is doing? One of the things that I, I have done is, is I have uh, reread on a weekly basis what what Solomon's prayer was when God said, you ask me what you want. And he said, Lord, uh, I, I thank you that you gave me this ministry to follow my father. But he says, I'm just a little child. I don't know how to go out. And I don't know how to come in. And I don't know how to minister to such a great group of people. And God honored that. And there's not a day goes by when I don't pray and ask the Lord for wisdom because I've got to have it. I am a little child. And I don't know how to go out and how to go in. And if the Lord doesn't build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And that's one of the things I would encourage pastors is wisdom comes from above. It says if you lack wisdom, ask God from it. For I think it says it in James. So ask God for wisdom and let him guide and direct you. Second thing I would suggest to pastors is be willing to stay in there for the long haul. You know, so many times we reach discouragement, we, we cut and run, as they say, or we preach until the the barrel is empty of sermons, then we, we go on to the next place, we preach the next until that's gone, then we go on to the next place. Well, that's that's not good. Um you know, I raised my family here. I came here because I thought God wanted me here. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you have to stay one place as long as I have, but you stay as long as God tells you to. And uh, you don't let people, you don't let the devil, you don't let circumstances take you away. One of the things that, that people look for in a, in the pastor and leadership is credibility. And if he doesn't have that, and if he's always here and gone, why should they want to be part of a, an organization, be part of a group, if if that's the way it is? And that's that's one of the other things that I would that I would encourage pastors as well. And then third, again, is involve your people as much as you can. You weigh yourself out if you try to do it yourself. And not only that, it's wrong. God gave us people to do certain things. Small churches will not do what a mega church will do. A mega church will not do what a small church will do. The Bible says God's place within the church, those people who, uh, you know, are, are equipped and able to perform his tasks. 
Yeah, what wise counsel. We appreciate uh, that without any question, uh, Pastor Dan, uh, in helping us to kind of try to grasp the importance of reaching out into our communities and uh, moving forward. Any final words that you would like to say to our listeners about uh, this area of uh, impacting our communities for Christ? The only thing I would say is is I know that that Michigan, in many respects, is, is uncharted territory. And yes, we struggle at times as Southern Baptists, but we have a great God, and and He desires for people to be saved. And and I believe that we need to just find out our calling, get there, and stay there as long as the Lord has us there, and and just realize that it's not about us; it's about Him, and to God be the glory. Well, thank you, Pastor Dan. I, I know that we haven't answered all the questions and uh, haven't uh, uh, resolved maybe all of uh, the issues related to reaching our communities for Christ, for sure. Uh, but I sure appreciate your time and your insight, uh, helping us to get a, a good understanding of the importance of serving our communities, uh, these days of service, pastoral leadership, uh, you know, uh, working with people and seeing these leaders uh, be developed in your congregation and how that's made a big difference. And some of these practical steps that you've given us, uh, to be able to uh, implement these in our own churches. Uh, thank you again for being with us today. And thank you for having me. And if I can be any further assistance, just let me know. Be praying for my fellow laborers. Well, I sure appreciate that. Well, look, uh, we are glad that you've joined us today for the audio conference for pastors uh, with Pastor Daniel Pan. Uh, we look forward to other broadcasts coming up soon, and we hope that you'll continue uh, to look at audioconference.com. Uh, our audio conference for pastors.com uh, as we uh, will continue to have additional audio conferences uh, on a variety of topics that will help us uh, to be more effective in ministry. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Audio Conference for Pastors. Listen to future episodes by visiting audioconferenceforpastors.com or by subscribing on iTunes. An archive of past episodes is also available. Join us next time as we continue to develop leaders to their God-given capacity on the Audio Conference for Pastors.